What up, guys? I am a massive coffee drinker. I absolutely love Caveman Coffee. I've been drinking Caveman Coffee for a long time. Uh, they make an enormous amount of different products in the coffee arena. They make this unbelievable nitro cold, cold brew that I am addicted to, actually. Um, and they also make a bunch of whole bean coffee. They make this amazing cacao butter. But I am a massive fan of their Nitro Cold Brew. It gets delivered directly to my door. And you can have the same exact thing. Go to cavemancoffee.com. That is cavemancoffee.com. Use the promo code BORN20. That's B-O-R-N, the number 20 at checkout for 20% off the best coffee on the planet, cavemancoffee.com is the bomb. What's going on, podcast listeners? My name is Michael Chernow. I am a restaurateur and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I am truly obsessed with living a life better than yesterday through wellness, fitness, and good vibes. I've always wondered if the drive to succeed is something we are born with or if it's something that is made over time through grit, drive, and perseverance. I get to answer that question exactly and the goal of this podcast is to talk with people that have absolutely crushed it in life and have inspired me to do the same. This is Born or Made. Today, I have an awesome guest. His name is Michael Weistrack. He is the CEO and founder of Freshly.com, one of the greatest businesses around today. They make all natural meals delivered to your front door nationwide. It's such an inspirational business for me. Michael is an incredible guy. He's got a great story. He started in a restaurant family, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, then he ended up in finance and real estate and ultimately came full circle back into the food business, launched a restaurant and, uh, and, and well, I'll let him tell the story. But it's a wonderful, wonderful interview that I'm super fired up for you to uh, to take a listen to. He's such a smart guy. Uh, so without further ado, here we go. Born or Made with Mike Weistrack. Hey, well, thanks thanks a ton for having me on. I'm really excited to have the conversation and share some of my story. And hopefully someone will take a nugget of wisdom out of this conversation. Would you do us a favor? Would you just... Um... Just give us an intro. Give us a quick intro of, of who you are, because I'm sure you can do it a little bit better than I did. Yeah, no, you you did a good job, and then you you were too nice. But uh, so um, yeah, as you said, I actually grew up in a restaurant family. My parents bought our first restaurant when I was a month old. They still own that restaurant today. So um, and we grew up on a ranch in southern Arizona. So uh, I like to say we were doing farm to table before farm to table was cool. Um, but I really, from a young age, got kind of the 360 view of, of the food world and landscape and uh, grew up working every single position in uh, the restaurant. We made the mistake at the young age of 10 to beg our parents to let us bust. And uh, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, those of you who have families who own businesses know that child labor does not protect you if your parents own the business. <laughs> So we begged, and then from there on out, it was we were uh, we were free labor. So, um, but really, I, I loved working in the restaurant. It taught me so much. I, I got the experience of working as a busser, uh, uh, dishwasher, prep, line chef, uh, grill chef, bartender, waiter, manager, every position you can work, and and 
realized after um, getting through college, I said, oh, I want to get as far away from food as possible and went into investment banking. Um, after working for a few years in investment banking in corporate America, I realized that the passion for entrepreneurship was just too strong. The force was too strong inside me. So went back and worked for uh, my parents. And I always tell people the only thing worse than corporate America is family America. <laughs> and uh, did that for a few years and separated and started doing some of my own stuff, which kind of um, combined a lot of my passion. So it was real estate, it was technology, um, a lot of different ventures. And in the process, bu built and launched my own restaurant with my parents um, and started freshly, really not trying to build a business. It was actually one of the, I had like 15 businesses going and this wasn't a business. This was uh, solving my challenge, which is I left New York. I, I the, the one thing I took away from New York out of uh, a lot of debt. So two things, I took a lot of debt out of New York and I also took uh, a passion for takeout. Um, and as you know, or as a lot of your listeners know, that is not necessarily uh, often the building blocks for a great healthy diet. But at a young age, you can kind of outwork a bad diet and then you hit 30 and that's no longer possible. And so I started working with a really good family friend of mine who was an ER doctor by training. Um, and uh, about 25 years ago, he got really frustrated with uh, kind of Western medicine and he felt like he was just a drug dispenser. And he really wanted to get to kind of disease prevention versus disease treatment. And he wanted to help people. And funny enough, he was kind of transformed back to Eastern medicine around like kind of food and diet and meditation and all these things that kind of traditionally are Eastern medicine. And he, he basically became like an advocate of the paleo diet before it was called the paleo diet. So long story short, what I'm really good at is connecting the dots. So I had my my chefs who were awesome. And I had uh, this doctor who was amazing. And I said, okay, well, why don't I cut myself out of this? You just give me all the ingredients, everything I should be eating. And I'm just going to have the chefs who are really good at, at creating food, create me meals to go. And and like, if what you say is true, then like, I don't need to do the work. I don't need to count calories. I don't need to count carbs. I'll just have these guys do the work for me. Um, I'll put it to go kits, heat it up. And Fast forward 60 days, best shape of my life. Like kind of, I went into this kind of the naysayer, like, oh, you know, food, it's calorie in, calorie out. Like this is kind of a, a solved problem. Like I just need to eat less, skip lunch, skip dinner. That was kind of like my go-to is like just skip meals and not in like a fasting kind of, you know, intermediate fasting. It was just like, oh, I'm just less calories. So long story short, I'm in great shape for the first time ever. I'm not thinking about caloric, you know, caloric intake or carbs and these things. And I realized like, wow, like this is an amazing service. I love it. And my dad started asking me to do it for him. And other people started saying, hey, do it for me. And kind of the light bulb was like, oh, I've got a restaurant that is, uh, you know, only really utilized at two peak times of the day. Um, and, you know, I'm always kind of a grinder. So I was like, hey, we'll turn the lights on starting at like 11 o'clock at night when the restaurant kind of shut down at 10 and just crank all the way through to the morning and do all basically like a, a dark kitchen before dark kitchens existed. Um, and that's how we built Freshly. It was really on this idea of like, how, how can we make it unbelievably easy for people like me who didn't know anything about nutrition, weren't great cooks, even though I've grown up in kind of a, a food um, background, I, I just really didn't have a passion. I love great food, but I'm not like a passionate chef. Um, but I love kind of, you know, like, like so many people is like, I love eating good food. Um, so it's like, how do I get great food that's healthy for me without me doing the work? And that's really what we built freshly on. It was kind of this simple idea. And I think it was, you know, people always say, scratch your own itch. Um, it's like the best startup because like you're, 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 you're just trying to solve your challenge, and your problem. And that was, that was really the fun about freshly. We started in 2015 and we've 
been fortunate enough to grow it to a really fun business. And I think, uh, you know, again, as a fun business is we love like the scale and what we're doing, but most importantly is the people we're around every day. And like, I think the family that we built within Freshly has been an amazing journey and, and had a ton of fun. So that was a long, long introduction to me. No, man, that was, that was wonderful. I know firsthand how challenging the restaurant business is. It's hard enough getting fresh, delicious food from the kitchen in a restaurant to a table. Uh, getting fresh, delicious food from a kitchen. Where's your Where's your home base? So we have we're headquartered in New York, but we have facilities now in L.A., Arizona, Maryland, and New Jersey. Soon, Texas and Atlanta as well. But right now, we're we're located there. Yeah. So getting food from four currently kitchens um, to homes across the nation um, <laughs> is is very difficult, not not frozen, right? So I just, what you're doing is unbelievable. Yeah, it's been fun. And it, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, and it's so, I mean, being able to get healthy food to people on a regular basis is, I think, ultimately the, the future. It is, it is the future. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. And I think another anecdote, I think, especially poignant in these, this time where people listening, I think, um, you know, a little more background on that kind of. So I opened my restaurant. We opened in 2000, February 2008, um, which short of short of the coronavirus and COVID was. So it's now the second, but for a long time, it was the worst time ever to open a new business going into uh, the Great Recession. To be honest, the business was failing drastically. I mean, it, it ultimately did fail. But the reason Freshly was kind of the idea expanded into business is I had this failing business and I was just scrambling to say like, shit, how do I make payroll? How do I pay rent? And kind of Freshly was one of those things. And, and so we knew we had to lean in. But in that, I think sometimes like people see these paths and they kind of think like uh, it was, it was clear cut, you know, and, and, so to give just a frame of reference where I was when we started. Can wait, before, before you do that, yeah. I, I want to ask you something about, about failing because I think it's really important. And if you could do me a favor and try to, to really go back um, to that time, that time when you knew that your business was failing, can you describe what that felt like? Forgetting about Freshly and, and being able to pivot the way you have so successfully um, and I'm sure that there's a bunch of bumps that we could talk about along that road as well, along the pivot road. But pre-pivot, yeah, what did that feel like? Well, so I mean, so one, I'm a type A personality. I've, I'm highly competitive. So failure for me is not like uh, I hate failure, and and for me, failure is embarrassing. It's all the things that you would imagine, and and so at that time, kind of, I felt like a failure. I felt like the thing that I set out to do wasn't working. It was failing. I had investors, including my parents and a lot of other people in the business. And while they were all big boys and big girls, and they knew what they were getting into, they were really betting on me. So the failure at that point was was really, it was all encompassing. I think those of you who've been through a business that's, that's, that's failing, um, and especially at that point, my options were very narrow and really like the option was like bankruptcy and and really my parents kind of kept me out last minute everything was compiling and and it, it was dark how long how long after you launched the business did you know that it was going to fail 
in your gut. So we we started off really, really strong in the first six months. And then kind of the depth of recession started for us, at least in kind of 2009. And and we really felt like revenue drop. And, you know, it was... It was I think for for a lot of people, it's like the recession started in eight, but really for us in Arizona, at least hit in nine and ten were really the dark years. So I was able to like kick the can down the road long enough, and we didn't actually end up shutting the business down until thirteen. But it was clear by like ten that it was going to be tough sailing, and and we just weren't catching the momentum. And by like eleven and twelve, it was just like scrambling. So like I was working, you know, I I was working the manager, I was working bartender, I was doing like everything just to minimize as much as possible. And then we were reworking and restructuring with landlords and debt and all sorts of stuff. And we did that. And you know, the, I think the hardest thing for me was by the time we got to kind of twelve and end of twelve was when we shut down was you know really coming to grips with like there was no kind of t- turnaround uh, for this business and just taking you know that's. That was it was it's kind of like a breakup or anything else. It's it's the hardest and also but the most relieving um, day of, of just saying, hey, it's not going to make it. We've got to switch to kind of a shutdown. Now, that's the key. I always tell people is like the key with failure is you have to learn from failure. Right. There's two types of people in the world. There's types of people who go through the world believing that the world happens to them. And there's types of people who believe that they happen to the world. And the difference is, is that every failure, whether, you know, I cause it or not, there's a learning lesson in there. And every single thing that happens, I try to say, okay, what do, what do I get to take away from this? How do I prevent this? How do I make this? And again, these are hard when you open a restaurant in a recession, like I should have predict that. But no, there's a lot of things when you actually take accountability, full stop accountability. How do you just say, okay, no, I own everything I do. And then that gives you that ability, as you said, is, is when you change that mindset to how I respond to this situation. Like, it, were you the person who installed the grease trap and that I doubt it, but like it, nonetheless, you're dealt with that situation. You have to respond. And that's where the choice is. And I think that's when I always look back at going back on the failures and, and the restaurant and these things is, is I always tell our team, everyone's allowed to make a mistake. You just can't make the same mistake twice. Right. So every, every time we mess up, we got to learn from that. And then we got to make sure that we're not going, you know, because there's, there's so many new mistakes to be made. Right. So it's like, there's, there's no time in life to make the same mistake twice because there's so many more that you're going to make. Um, and that's, that's really been my key in, in, in failure is like, I'm okay with failure. Uh, I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't like it. Um, I don't actually go and sit, be proud of it, but I'm okay with it. As long as I know, okay, I got to learn from this. I got to, can't make the same mistake. And I, I really challenge that's been big ethos of, of freshly. And I think it's a big part of what's made us successful is that mindset of, of we we're allowed failure. We're not afraid of failure. We just don't make it twice. More with my guest in just a minute. Athletic greens is one of the only things that I have been using for about seven years straight. Athletic greens is the first thing that I put into my body every single morning. I start my day with Athletic Greens. It is a greens superfoods powder that I absolutely love. It tastes incredibly good compared to the rest of the stuff on the market. It's filled with 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. The stuff is the bomb. I add a little bit of ice to it, a little bit of coconut milk, blend it up, drink it down on an empty stomach, and my oh my is my nutritional wellness insurance taken care of. 
Go over to athleticgreens.com forward slash born. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash born for 20 free travel packs with your first order. I highly recommend Athletic Greens. I've been doing it for a long time and so should you. How would you sort of discuss the your you know best practices when it comes to partnerships? Well, I think so. I think partnerships is like any relationship in life. Now, I think what's fun about business partnerships is they're actually structured a lot more logically, right? So, in 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 marriage, if you go and you sign a prenup, like someone's going to be like, "Oh my god," you know, it's not it's not a friendly conversation. But really, in in business, the best thing to do is is get a really good operating agreement and go through, and that's really what you do in the event of kind of doing a prenup is you go through all the scenarios that no one is anticipating, no one wants. Right. But you do it at a very level clean because the reality of partnerships is is with anything, again, marriage or anything, is, is that people are going to grow, evolve, change. The business is going to evolve and change. And, and and there's all sorts of different stuff that's going to happen. So the, the great thing about operating agreements and partnerships or whatever document you're going to use is is really going down the, the edge cases of what happens in life. So, you know, what happens, Michael, if I want to keep going, but you want to sell your shares. What happens if you didn't wake up and say, I don't want to do this anymore? Well, that's never going to happen. Well, perfect. Then let's deal with the situation now in the event it doesn't. Because what you end up seeing is people are very rational um, at the beginning because they think all rosy, everything's going to be perfect. And then you go down these paths and there's different life and different expectations. And you know, maybe t- together today, Michael, we said we're going to start a restaurant. We both agree we're going to do 50-50 of our time. And I say to you, well, what happens if you say, I, I want to do podcasts full time and I'm leaving? And you say, well, you know, I'd sell you my shares at blah, blah, blah. So we, but the reality is, is we fast forward in two years and the restaurant's killing it and it's worth way more. And, and we don't have an agreement in place. Well, your expectations change, mine change. And, and so we get a misalignment of expectation. I think key to life and partnerships is meeting expe- expectations. And the challenging thing, and I, you know, I have to say with, with my partner, and he's so good at this. Uh, and, and we've evolved kind of our partnership, but it's really good thinking through kind of like the inevitable and removing emotion. And it's really hard. Again, in life, it's just hard in general and partnerships and business and these things. It's hard to step back and remove emotion. And it's hard. You know, we all unfortunately have our own cognitive bias of the way we see the world. And we think that, you know, fundamentally is the right way of the the world actually exists in the parameters we set out as we maybe age or sometimes not is it like there are many ways to see the same exact situation um so i think good partnership agreements and then also open trans communication along a long line and and again like the challenging things with partnerships is the world does evolve and it means that not everyone is going to be happy as the world evolves and different things, but I think transparent communication and trying to do the right thing. Um, and again, I, I, I think of partnerships as, as any other relationship in life, right? Whether it's a friend or your wife or significant others or husband, whatever that may be. Um, generally the good rules of any successful relationship is the same thing. Communication, honesty, transparency, uh, trying to think when you're not emotionally res- like responding, you know, it's like the spouse who catches the, the husband or wife cheating is is no longer thinking equitable and fair, right? It's like, no, I'm going to screw you. You're done. And I think th- those are the things that you can kind of have the logical conversation because, again, at the beginning of a marriage, you say, okay, well, what happens if you cheat on me? Oh, well, honey, I never cheat on you. Okay, well, let's just deal with this. What, how would you think a fair way of dividing our assets 
would be if if you did. And oh, well, you should take what you have. And I, so it's funny you go through these things late, you know, bef- before when there's no in everyone's mind, it's never going to happen. And you go down the list. And, and again, that's a long answer to a very short question. But partnerships, like anything else in life, are difficult. They're just really okay. difficult. You mentioned communication, and I think communication happens to be probably the the glue to keeping businesses successful and aligned um, for partnerships and also for leadership and uh, and staff. So do you guys have some tips and tricks uh, or do you have sort of a general way of, of communicating amongst your with your partner and also with your with your your crew, your team? There's a, a few different things. So I think um, with, and I think one of the challenging things with, and this is, I think the other thing people kind of understand is that depending on the route and the business you choose, uh, partnerships play out differently. So, you know, in, in our world of kind of venture backed uh, businesses, um, your founder kind of evolves into an org chart, right? The org chart, you got to think about like, which means usually that there's one boss, right? So the CEO, so that's really clear. And that's all is a difficult transformation from kind of co-founders to kind of a singular boss. Now, eventually, and I think if you look at the S&P 500, I think there's maybe one or two co-CEOs in in the S&P 500. If you look at the Russell 2000, it's probably still the same number. Usually doesn't last that long because it's hard to have two heads at the the top of any organization. Uh, From a communication structure, um, you know, I would talk very transparently with, um, I think now as we look at our our partnership agreement is is our, what we would say is our partners, um, is kind of multiple constituents, right? So we have our partners as our investors, um, our partners as our employees, um, our partners as our customers, right? So, and we all look at them as partners in the Freshly journey and these things. So, uh, and then we stack rank those, right? So it goes for us, it goes inverse to that. So it's, it's customer, employee, uh, investor. And again, we're very thorough in how we think about and drive the business towards, towards that. So again, it's getting alignment across the organization. Who's the most important? Everyone knows the customer is the most important. We say it everywhere. Everyone knows who's second employee, who's third investors. And we make those decisions around that. Um, and so again, it's alignment. That's uh, communication, all sorts of alignment, clear understanding. Um, uh, and then, so when we think about from the employee standpoint, cause I think that's what you were saying, kind of communication with our executive team and our employees, uh, is we, we spend a lot of time just making sure everyone knows where we're going, uh, what's important to us. We've, we've done a lot of work on our core values. We, we re-accentuate those through every aspect of the business. Uh, and, and again, I think when people say that as like culture, culture is a lot of little things, but at the end of the day, culture is who you are, what you're doing and why you do it. Right. So it's, 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 it's really those and, and, and how you do those things. Right. So it's, it's, for us, it's, it's re-exemplifying those and say like the, the greatest thing about culture is people say, do you have good culture or bad culture? There, I've, I've yet to identify a good or bad culture. There is a good culture for your team and your organization and what you're trying to do. And then there's a bad culture for your team, your organization. Now the key is as, as an employee or someone joining a company is making sure is that the culture that you're going to thrive in? Is that something you really believe in? And is that kind of the, the, the mechanism that you're going to do the best? So you could have in a culture where it's very aggressive type a, you know, you could take like a, to one degree of like a Bridgewater, right. Who's, who's kind of known for their, I was just about to say Ray Dalio. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, it's known for that. And like, but they're very transparent. Like this is us. 
And if you're someone who likes to be more passive aggressive or, or you don't like kind of aggressive confrontation, like it's not a culture for you. And that doesn't mean that you're right or they're wrong. It just means that find the right culture that's, that's for you. Now, what's great about, you know, Bridgeport and Ray Dalio, whether or not you agree with this culture, whether or not is like, they put it out there. So they tell you exactly what you're signing up for. They tell you the success rates. They tell you all these things. So again, I think that's the key is fine. And again, you know, it's, it's the great thing about America is we have a lot of choice into different organizations, industries, and all these different things. So I think communication starts with culture. It starts with that transparency, starts with understanding. And then uh, from a tactical standpoint, we communicate a lot. So from weekly emails to weekly calls to stand-ups to all hands. Uh, and as we get bigger and bigger, we realize that there is no such thing as too much communication. And we keep getting more and more communication because uh, someone gave me the advice. And then it's really good for, for me as I've, I've grown and, and evolved as a CEO. Is by the time you think you're saying it too much is when you're just starting to say it enough, right? <clears throat> So you, you really got to lean into comms and make sure because you realize that, you know, we got 2000 people in our organization now and we need everyone kind of marking, marching to the same kind of area. And, you know, I become now like on a row, like a big sailboat, those big rowing boats where you have someone beating the drum at the front and like just keeping cadence. And that's really my job is I'm just beating the drum and making sure that everyone's keeping cadence in the organization. So can I just stop you for a second? Yep, dude. You have a fucking 2,000-person company. We have a big organization. We, we, yes. Mike, that's incredible. Thank you. It's, in, it's incredible, man. Like, what is... I, I know you're so in it, and, I'm, and I can only imagine right now we're sitting in a pandemic. This episode will probably launch while we're still sitting in a pandemic. Uh, and... I can only imagine your business is through the roof because you are delivering fresh, delicious, natural, healthy food to people at home. You are helping so many people. Like truly, not only are you employing 2,000 people, but you're helping so many people live a life better than yesterday. And... um I just, I can't, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm floored by how sort of humble you are about that. You just threw it out there. I've got, you know, we have 2000 people on our team and I'm like, dude, it's insane. It's incredible. It's amazing what you're doing. So one, I appreciate that. But two, I think the humbleness comes from, as you know, as, as, as a, like as a founder, you're kind of, my hard work is done in the first year, two years. And, and really now is, is the amazing thing is like, Again, it goes back to those constituents we have, the customers, employees, investors. And I think COVID was, for so many people, was the toughest time we've ever dealt with. Um, because we did, our customers, when you look at our customers, 20% of our customers are over are older than 65. Uh, so they were the heaviest at-risk population. We service, we're going to do fifty close to 50 million meals this year. So we have people who depend on our product all across the U.S., um, and we, <clears throat> we had to take the challenge and, and face the challenge as, as the early days of COVID with really a lack of kind of unified response on how we should be responding to kind of COVID. Uh, we just had an insanely dedicated team across the board to be extraordinarily forward thinking on how we responded for our employee safety, making sure we got those meals out. We were one of the first organizations in the U.S. 
to have temperature screening up front. We were, we were following, we had teams following China and Asia to see what they were doing there because we knew that they were, they were years, they were ahead of us. We'd secured, um, uh, we'd secured stock right after it was allowed to open for face masks. Four weeks before the CDC said that face masks were a good thing, we launched and were providing face masks for every single one of our employees in our facility. And I feel really proud because if you look across kind of the food uh, industry and the challenges that were happening is we fared kind of best, best of breed. And really, that was insane hard work on a team of 2,000 people. So I felt tremendously honored, humbled to be part of that organization, to lead the organization who really... You know, then there were days, as, as I'm sure across the board, there were 20-hour days where people, you know, were tracking things, were doing things that we were... And, and for the first time ever, we had an ununited states as far as we were seeing. We had news... We, as, as the benefit is we had four different facilities operating, but we had four different governors doing different things and mandates. And we had teams tracking the local, the CDC. We had teams on the, on phones with our state senators and, and, and really trying to understand, Hey, what, what do we need to be doing? How do we need to be doing it? And again, across the board, we had our Maryland facility was inspected two days after uh, the governor of Maryland gave a, a mandate for all facilities that were actually operating that was just published to the website. You know, and we passed with flying colors and we're actually set out to be kind of uh, a, a trainer to help people kind of train through that. So uh, look, as, as, as these times, as, as insane as they've been, is, is really for me is, is as a leader, is you really get to see the power of your organization um, in times like this. You get to see that the, the great people we already knew were great. Um, responding and, and working amazingly. And, and, you know, again, that goes from every person in our organization um, <clears throat> that made it happen. And we were able in the depths of kind of COVID to actually increase production by 20% um, overnight, relatively overnight, um, and managed through kind of the most chaotic supply chain that we've ever seen and, and a lot of stuff. So it, it was a phenomenal success for our team, but it really was a, it, this was like, you know, again, these, the, I think COVID for so many people has really exemplified team for us. And, and, you know, we've got all of our corporate staff all went home, like the rest of the world, we were dealing with no daycare with, with no schools, with how do you run like your own internal school and then get all these things done. So it was a, it was a really phenomenal time for our team. And I was just, I was, you know, I was like a proud parent. I was just, I've been beaming. Now COVID is another one of those great examples of something I never, ever, I can't wait till we're through this. I'm while the business has, has not done horrible. Uh, it has been one of the most stressful times as, as the rest of the world is, is, is certainly facing this. And my heart goes out again, coming from a restaurant, my parents still own a restaurant, the challenges they've been facing. So to all restaurateurs out there, my heart is with you. I'm still a restaurateur at heart. And I think it's been such a challenging thing to see uh, from an outsider and, and hopefully we get through this and, and, the world picks back up to normal here. More with my guest in just a minute. Whoop is a fitness and recovery tracker. It is something that you wear on your wrist. They actually look very, very cool. Uh, I've been wearing Whoop for a long time. The beauty of Whoop for me is that it actually tells me how much to recover as opposed to how much I am training. I know how hard I train. What I don't know is how well my body is recovered and that is where Whoop comes in. Whoop is going to tell me how well I've slept, how well my body has recovered from the hard strain that I put in, how many calories I've burned, 
all the things that a fitness tracker would typically tell you through an amazing app. They are a data-focused company. Go to whoop.com and put in promo code CHERNOW, that is C-H-E-R-N-O-W, and get your first month free. Boom. So go check out whoop.com to see what I see every single day. I want to talk to you quickly as one of the last few things that we'll touch on here about habits. Um, I believe in habits, uh, good and bad. Um, do you do you have a, any habits that you do on a consistent, regular basis that help you be the the guy you are today? Yeah, so I think I think power habits is is like one. There's a book called Power Habits, which is amazing. Read it. Uh, is kind of key to success. I think you you nailed it there. Is like I I I think of habits, good and bad, as crutches. Right now, the great thing about um, good habits is they can help you through the crutches and changing and acknowledging it. Like unfortunately, most of our lives come down to kind of habits, right? So we, we fall back in the same stuff. So for me, habits, I, it starts at the beginning of the day. So I get up roughly at the same time every day. Now, that's a little later now with COVID because I'm not traveling at all, but that's 5.30 every every morning. It used to be 4.45, but 5.30. Um, what time do you go to bed? Uh, I'm in bed uh, now with a little one. I'm in bed at asleep at 10. So 9.30 usually in bed. Used to be, I used to be a little more strict when it was, it was just me and no little one. Um, but, uh, used to be nine. Um, I'm a big believer in minimum eight hours of sleep. So I really go for that eight hours of sleep. Seven and a half is kind of where I'll stretch it. So I like to be about nine 30 to kind of that five 30 is really my target. Seven and a half, uh, anything short of seven lights. So real quick that, that bed to nine 30, I think bed to nine 30 is harder than up at five 30. What do you do? What do you do to just, what is your sort of like system that just puts you in bed by nine thirty. Well, so for me is is all like I, I'm fairly lucky in that I'm a good sleeper. But it all starts out if if I get up at five thirty, I go get a workout in. So I, I get my morning workout in. To me, that's really key. Um, I, I I try to be disciplined in that. Certainly, I have I have good days and bad days there. But I, I can notice a complete shift in the rest of my day from how I respond. I, I find myself a lot less emotionally responsive to things. So I, usually that presents itself in frustration or anger uh, if I get that morning workout in. Um, second habit from there is, so I get that morning workout. I read the Wall Street Journal every day religiously. That's a habit or obsession, whatever it is. Uh, that's kind of how I start my day. That's That kind of sets the foundation for me. Um, I got rid of t- talking about negative habits. Um, I found myself strangely in this weird habit, as so many of us are, of checking Instagram and Facebook as if I gave a shit what everyone in the world was saying. So I deleted those apps about a year ago off my phone. Um, it's been amazing for me. I found myself just spending so much time on Instagram kind of rolling through. So for me, that was a, that was a beneficial habit. That was a painful one to break. And I deleted it. And I found myself just opening my phone and being like, huh, I don't know what I'm going to. Uh, that, so so I, I got out that. I, <clears throat> I try to, and I go kind of cycle in and out of doing meditation. Um, right now, I'm in a, a streak where I haven't been doing it. But I, 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 I try to do that. Um, I find that beneficial, but meditation for whatever reason, it's hard to. Is, and and does that, does that meditation typically happen after the wall street journal? Uh, usually right before the wall street journal. So I'll come in, I go into my office, I kind of settle down for 10 minutes. Um, I do kind of, I like a gratitude meditation where I just spend time kind of thinking about things I'm thankful for. Um, and again, I, you know, there's all sorts of different gratitude meditation, but I think so often things like COVID really set perspective of like, 
you know, we're not thankful of going out to drinks with our friends. We're not thankful of like an amazing dinner. We're not thankful of like a wedding celebration. And, and these things are really magical. We so, so often when we see a reshift in life, we realize that we go through life without being thankful for the small things. And I think we chase big thing to big thing. And then, you know, especially I'm a tend to be a type A person. I spend not even spend enough time on the big, the big things. But what I really realize is, is, is the, the beauty of life is in the tiny little things. It's in the sunsets, the walks, the kiss from a dog, a kiss from your baby, um, uh, waking up when it's uh, AC. We lost AC for six and I lost AC for six days in New York heat. Uh, appreciate those things. And I just, I constantly have to make sure that I, I spend time thankful for everything we have. I think so often it's easy to be, uh, you know, spend time on the negative. I think especially with the new cycle now is you get just caught into this negative cycle. And a lot of time it's refreshing to the positivity uh, of the world. And, and, and so I try to do that. That's a, a really good habit. I, I strongly suggest. So there's some foundational habits. Sleep is a foundational habit. Uh, exercise is a foundational habit. Eating right is a foundational habit. I think the last one is mindset, right? So you can you can really uh, you can really get and again, don't listen to me. Go out and listen to I think Tony Robbins is probably the best at this in his 30 day. But like, uh, uh, get those things kind of lined out and kind of everything builds on top of that. Um, so those are kind of foundational ones that I say most of my foundational. What I've seen for me, uh, my day becomes very unpredictable after 9 a.m. Um, whether it's family work and these things. So I try to put everything in kind of habits into the front. Uh, and then some, some things that like you said, which is, is really key and freshly really helps me is like when I want to eat healthy, like meal prep is really crucial, right? So a lot of the times when you have bad habits is working around those. So like if, for example, every time after dinner, you like an uh, ice cream, guilty, right? Um, uh, re repeat, like change, like create a new habit. So like what your mind, what you realize is your mind is a trigger mechanism and it says, okay, dinner done, ice cream time. So you can actually re-trigger. And I think this is again, power habit, great book. Um, but you can, or, uh, atomic habits, another probably even better book on that, but, um, you can re-trigger your mind and you can then say, okay, every time after dinner, I'm going to go for a walk. Right? So I'm just going to go for a walk, not a workout, just a walk, family walk, whatever those things may be. I just may walk around the block, whatever that may be. You will find after 28 days, your mind becomes addicted to that walk. And it relates that walk into kind of this post-relief of, of the, these things. So it's, it's why a lot of us at the end of the day feel like we need a cocktail, right? Oh, we got to wind down the end of the day. And so what I realized is like, change my mind into a different kind of cocktail. So now I make a fancy mocktail, right? Which is like a, you know, soda water with a little cranberry and some limes and it, I serve it in a nice scotch glass. A nice, but what I do is I associate that with the relief, right? The, the end of the day, the wind down. And I can find myself conditioning my mind to be excited, just as excited on that mocktail as I am on the cocktail, right? And But a lot of it is, is you know, the first 28 days is going to be your hardest. And, and But once you get it into there, you, you realize that like there's a lot you can do with with habits and, and you can reformat and kind of think of it as like a, a mind backdoor. It's like a backdoor to messing with your mind and being like, oh, I'm going to fool you mind. I just I love the idea of the after dinner walk. I think that's brilliant. I'm going to try that. And that's a stolen one, I think, from either Atomic Habits or Power Habits is some book that's a stolen one. But it's it's basically saying just change the association. And again, to what you said, it's like you, you, you talk through the craving of having a sweet and just putting something else in its place, right? And when you do that, do that, do that, then, then that becomes your sweet craving. And then you don't, again, but a lot of life is like planning for the inevitable, right? So 
the inevitable is you are going to see a sweet, a chocolate into your, your fitness routine. And you're going to say, I want that now. Right? So like the inevitable is like, okay, I'm going to have a backup of these things. So I'm going to have this ready to go. I'm going to have this. We're like, you know, that's why freshly is so powerful for me is because like, look at the end of the workday, guess what? I'm exhausted. Those good ideas of like cooking dinner and all those things that when I get home at seven, me and my wife are both exhausted and baby's crying. And we like, no one's raising their hand to cook dinner. So like, but don't get me wrong. I have the best intentions every morning I wake up. I'm like, this is going to be the day I'm going to cook. Right. Like we all do. But I just realized like, look, I need to fall back. I need the safety net of the great healthy meal. And like, that's so like, it's the same thing with meal prep is like plan ahead because at the end of the day, when you have that solution, so like, I love freshly. My wife loves freshly because at the end of the day, like we're just like, okay, let's eat freshly. We don't feel like we're eating because the alternative used to be for me was pizza, right? It's easy. It's convenient. It's cheap. It tastes great. Um, but then you get that pizza guy, which, which I had. So that look, and I, so again, power habits, atomic habits, if, if you're taking a nugget away, atomic habits is probably, I think the best one of like practical putting it to, to practice. Uh, great books. Fun. Again, I've done them both on Audible, so the Audible books are good as well. More with my guest in just a minute. 10,000 is a men's fitness apparel brand. I only use 10,000 when I train. They make the best stuff on the market. The beauty of 10,000 is that you can customize everything. The color, the inseam, the liner, Everything is done with the highest quality available. They offer free delivery, free returns. They stand behind their product 100%. I love the fact that they have the best anti-odor property in the game. I am telling you that I wear 10,000 shorts and tops all the time when I'm training and even when I'm not training and this stuff never ever smells, it never ever breaks down. It's really good looking stuff. The material is absolutely incredible. I highly recommend 10,000. There is a 100% money back guarantee on this stuff. So if you don't like it, boom, send it back and you get your money back. Go over to 10,000.cc, that's T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D.cc. Use promo code BORN20 at checkout. That's B-O-R-N, the number 20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. 10,000 is the bomb. Two last things. Um, if there's one piece of advice that you've come up with on your own based on experience or, or something that someone has given you that you've put in your back pocket that you pass off to others uh, and you'd like us to leave this podcast with. Uh, Tim Ferriss always asked the question, if you can write one thing on a billboard, that would be your sort of last thing, what would it be for the world to take? And so I, I, I think that's such a great question. I love that question. Um, so what, one piece of advice that you'd like us to leave with here. Uh, you know, this is always a fun one. This is not PG. So th those of you who, uh, it's probably maybe, maybe PG 13, but, uh, uh, I always love this quote and I think I, it now works more than ever. I think, I don't know if I came up with it, but I, I certainly have been saying it for a long time, but I would say that, uh, the greatest part about not giving a fuck is not giving a fuck. And I think that's so important today because we spend too much time worrying about what other people think about us, what other people kind of opinions are on us with Instagram, with likes and these things. And I think the greatest part about going through life, um, and uh, there's now a book called 
um, don't give a the art of not giving a fuck. The art of giving not giving a fuck. So, but the, the reality is, is I mean, you could you could definitely context that in a bad way. But the reality is, is like if we go about life and live the life we want to live, not because we want other people to think we're successful or think we're smart or think those things, but just because we want to live that life, it really sets us free. And when you realize is most of life's trappings are stupid, right? Like. Who gives a shit if your shirt says Prada or if it says Banana Republic? Like it doesn't matter. Who gives a shit if you have a watch and it tells time if it's a Rolex or a Psycho? Cinco. I don't even know Cinco. What it's Psycho. Uh, Psycho. Uh, Got it. But like at the end of the day, when you realize and you go back and if you if you had someone who came from like it, it doesn't matter. The problem is is we get caught in these trappings and you realize you say like what are the things that matter? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? What do I want my grandkids to say about me? What are those things? Because your grandkids, if your grandkids say he always wore Prada shirts, then you probably have some other problems, right? Like that's like that's not what you want to be remembered for. And I so I always say like, you know, <clears throat> again, the greatest part about not giving a fuck is not giving a fuck. And when you go through life and you say like, look, I live me. Now you can get that into a dangerous spot as well. And that when you become too self, uh, you know, you, you feel the world is around you. That could be another problem. But I, I really feel like the world could benefit from stop being so concerned around uh, living your FOMO fake life and just living a life that has you going to bed with a smile on your face. And it's actually not that difficult and doesn't require that much money to, you know, go for a walk in the woods with your family. And you come back with a big smile and you realize you didn't spend a lot of money. I like it. Um, last question, question I ask everybody. Uh, do you believe that you were born uh, with an innate slash inherent ability to get to where you're at today? Or do you think you were made over time through sheer grind, grit, and determination? Well, so I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to say- Don't say uh, both. I'll kill you. Okay. <laughs> so I think Warren Buffett's quote of <clears throat> winning the, um, the uh, genetic lottery or the- uh, um, what does he always say? Something, something around like, hey, I was born in America to great kids in a free society um, where you you had the opportunity to excel, I think. And, and certainly when you look at um, a lot of the conversation of Black Lives Matter and stuff, like a lot of, I, you know, I would be naive if I said a lot of the things that have helped me on my success are uh, predetermined before I even showed up, you know, my, and, 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 but I do think a lot of, uh, life for me has, has been made. And I think that uh, it, it started with, with my parents and their mindset and how, how my parents went around living their life. And I, I, I hope that I can translate that um, to, to my, <clears throat> my kids. But I do think as a, as a society, we always have to realize that a lot of the things that we take for granted are the things that we didn't really have a decision in. And I think, you know, we're dealing with a broader, you know, I think rightfully so we're dealing with that, that while we may not see it as kind of, you know, I may not see it as like, oh, I, I'm self-made. I did all the work. Uh, there's a lot of gifts that, that were given to me um, that, you know, I think it's, it's our obligation uh, as a society to continue leveling that playing field. And, and you know, and I think there's opportunity not only to level that playing field here in the U.S., but I think as we think about a world society, how do we level that playing field? When you think, you know, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard is that if you're in the worst position in the U.S. and you were standing in a line, you were one of the bottom rings of, of the U.S. from an economic standpoint, and you're standing in line, you're still at the front quarter of that entire line, right? And, and, and that means that like, you look at America versus the rest of the world, and you look at third, 
third world countries is, is there's a lot that we just need to, I think, level as, as humans. So a lot of opportunity there. So that's a long answer. I like to think that I've put a lot of energy and efforts into, into the person I become. I like to think that I, I know I still have a lot more efforts uh, to put in that. And I think people can change. I think people can evolve. They can change. Um, and I think the great thing about where we sit today is like, look, just because you've been given a crappy hand, um, doesn't, you know, that, that hand can change. Uh, and, and you'll learn as a poker player, you'll learn more from playing bad hands than you will from playing good hands. Cause good hands sometimes makes you think you're smarter than you are. Whereas the bad, the bad hands you really have to work for. Right. And I think that, that, you know, I guess if, if there's one of the things people can hold on today is, is that like, look, this too shall pass. We will get through this. The things that we learn from this, the things that we empower, and again, similar to your waiting and shit, uh, these moments, if you sit back and say, this is a moment, this is a moment for me to learn in, this is a moment for me to change, this is a me, for me to grow. And it's not a comfortable one, um, but this is when change happens. And I can say for myself personally, uh, the, the greatest lessons I learned came at the hardest time in my life. Uh, and, and, and only looking backwards that I realized that that really was quintessential and game changing for me. Uh, and the only thing I was open enough to do is to embrace the moment and to grind on through. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people here. And that's a lot challenge for, you know, literally as we sit today, the entire world, right. To, to embrace this moment, to grind through, how do we come out of this as a better world, as a better society? Uh, I really believe we can. And I think we've, we'll make some great strides in that. Mike, with your help, and feeding people healthy food. Uh, I'm sure that the, the future is incredibly bright uh, for you and your wife and your kids. Um, and I can't wait to see freshly hit the S&P because I know it will. <laughs> I gotta, I, can, I, I put money on that for sure. Um, dude, you're, you are such a, uh, a sharp guy and you're articulate and um, I'm honored to have you on, on this podcast. I, I really, uh, I'm stoked for everything that you guys have, have been working on and for and towards and your whole entire team over at Freshly. And um, man, thank you so much for being here with me. Really appreciate it. Perfect. I appreciate it. If any of the listeners are interested, Freshly.com, check us out. Uh, it's a great service. Uh, thanks a ton for having me on. It was a lot of fun. You're the man. That was my unbelievably awesome, super inspirational, informative interview with Mike Weistrack. That guy is a legend. Um, he is so sharp. The things that he left us with, all the little tidbits, his his list of habits, I think are fantastic. We share a lot of the same habits uh, that we do on a daily and consistent basis. Um, and I love that. I love that that his his final piece was. The best thing about not giving a fuck is not giving a fuck. I, I just, I think that that was such a great way to, to drop the mic on on this epic journey that we just took together. So uh, I am super grateful for you guys listening in. This was a good one. Um, I love you. I appreciate you. And I cannot wait for the next one. That's it for this episode of Born or Made, ladies and gents. I hope our discussion inspired you to take action and chase your own success. Set goals and work towards them. I would be incredibly grateful if you shared our podcast with your friends. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified every time we drop a new episode. 
help us out by leaving a positive review and a five-star rating. That would mean the absolute world to me. It really helps the podcast grow. And finally, I'd love to keep the conversation going with you. So you could follow us at BornerMade on Instagram. And you can also follow me at Michael Chernow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok. We really appreciate you tuning in and uh, can't wait to see you on the next one.